This message is brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about our ministries, we encourage you to visit us online at tabernaclehickory.org. That's tabernaclehickory.org. You can find our sermons on a number of platforms, including Apple iTunes, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. We trust that God will use this message to speak to your heart. I'd like for you to take God's Word and go with me into the book of 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel, and we come to chapter number 30. 1 Samuel, chapter number 30, we are continuing our study of the life of David. And uh, when we last left David, we saw him. He was returning from uh, the battle, or at least from sitting the battle in array as the Philistine armies were assembling to go and fight against Israel. And David, who had, in a moment of, of weakness, a moment of fear, had reasoned within, within his own heart that he should go and dwell among the Philistines, uh, found himself in great trouble now because after he has dwelt with them for a length of time and has deceived them in all honesty, he deceived them, making them think that he was uh, fighting the same cause as they were and that he was willing even to go and fight against uh, his own people. I do not believe that he ever intended to do so, but at least he uh, pretended that he would do so. I believe had he arrived on the battlefield that day, he no doubt would have fought for Israel and for Saul. Uh, But the Lord did not intend for that to happen. And so he stirred up the lords of the Philistines to send David away. While the Philistines were setting the battle in array, if you'll remember, the uh, Saul, of course, was greatly distressed. And in his distress, he wanted to hear from the Lord, but the Lord gave no answer. And so he decided in a moment of despair to turn to a medium, uh, one that we commonly call the witch of Endor. He went to her to ask her to summons up the spirit of Samuel. The spirit of Samuel did descend or ascend and come to speak to uh, Saul. Of course, we know by her reaction, uh, she had never seen such a thing happen before. Uh, She was filled with fear, and Samuel spoke, and he said to Saul, he said, Saul, you're going to the battle, and tomorrow at this time, you and your sons will be dead. You'll be gathered to me in the battle. And so all of these events are happening simultaneously. And while Saul is preparing now for his final day and his final battle, we see that David is returning with his men to Ziklag. That is the city that he has been dwelling in, uh, in the land of the Philistines. And I want you to read with me, if you would, we'll read Uh, this chapter in its entirety, beginning in verse number 1 in 1 Samuel chapter number 30. The Bible said, And it came to pass, when David and his men were come to Ziklag on the third day, that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag and smitten Ziklag and burned it with fire and had taken the women captives that were therein. They 
slew not any, either great or small, but carried them away and went on their way. So David and his men came to the city, and behold, it was burned with fire, and their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captives. Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives were taken captives, Ahinoam the Jezreelitess and Abigail the wife of Nabal the Carmelite. And David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. And David said to Abiathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, I pray thee, bring me hither the ephod. And Abiathar brought thither the ephod to David. And David inquired at the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue. For thou shalt surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. So David went, he and the six hundred men that were with him, and came to the brook Besor, uh, where those that were left behind stayed. But David pursued he and four hundred men, for two hundred abode behind, which were so faint that they could not go over the brook Besor. And they found an Egyptian in the field, and brought him to David, and gave him bread, and he did eat. And they made him drink water, and they gave him a piece of a cake of figs and two clusters of raisins. And when he had eaten, his spirit came again to him, for he had eaten no bread nor drunk any water three days and three nights. And David said unto him, To whom belongest thou, and whence art thou? And he said, I am a young man of Egypt, servant to an Amalekite, and my master left me, because three days agone I fell sick. We made an invasion upon the south of the Cherethites, and upon the coast which belongeth to Judah, and upon the south of Caleb, and we burned Ziklag with fire. And David said to him, Canst thou bring me down to this company? And he said, Swear unto me by God that thou wilt neither kill me nor deliver me into the hands of my master, and I will bring thee down to this company. And when he had brought him down, behold, they were spread abroad upon all the earth, eating and drinking and dancing because of all the great spoil that they had taken out of the land of the Philistines and out of the land of Judah. And David smote them from the twilight even unto the evening of the next day. And there escaped not a man of them, save four hundred young men, which rode upon camels and fled. And David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away, and David rescued his two wives. And there was nothing lacking them, neither small nor great, neither sons nor daughters, neither spoil nor anything that they had taken to them. David recovered all. And David took all the flocks and the herds which they drave before those other cattle and said, This is David's spoil. And David came to the two hundred men which were so faint that they could not follow David, whom they had made also to abide at the brook Besor. And they went forth to meet David and to meet the people that were with him. And when David came near to the people, he saluted them. Then answered all the wicked men of Belial, of those that were with David, and said, Because they went not with us, we will not give them all of the spoil that we have recovered, save to every man his wife and his children, that they may lead them away and depart. Then said David, You shall not do so, my brethren, with that which the Lord hath given us, who hath preserved us, and delivered the company that came against us into our hand. For who will hearken unto you in this matter? But as his part is that goeth down to the battle, so shall his part be that tarrieth by the stuff. They shall part alike. 
And it was so from that day forward that he made it a statute and an ordinance for Israel unto this day. And when David came to Ziklag, he sent of the spoil unto the elders of Judah, even to his friends, saying, Behold, a present for you of the spoil of the enemies of the Lord. To them which were in Bethel, and to them that uh, which were in South Ramoth, and to them which were in Jatir, and to them which were in Aurora, and to them which were in Sifmoth, and to them which were in Estemoa, and to them which were in Rachel, and to them which were in the cities of the Jeremilites, and to them which were in the cities of the Canaanites, and to them which were in Hormah, and to them which were in Korashan, and to them which were in Athak, and to them which were in Hebron, and to all the places where David himself and his men were wont to haunt. I want you to look with me, if you would please, in verse number 6. The Bible says that David was greatly distressed. For the people spake of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. But notice this, please, if you would. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. I want to speak to you on that subject this morning. David encouraged himself in the Lord. Have you ever been to a place of great distress and great discouragement? If you have been there, and many of us have, especially as we've lived in this nation in recent months, especially as we have dealt with personal trials and tribulations, we have all come to a place where we have been in great distress and where we have so needed encouragement. Well, David is here. And though he is with a group of men, 600, in truth, he finds himself all alone. He finds himself in great distress, and he finds himself in need of encouragement. And David did something that day that no other person could do for him. He encouraged himself in the Lord. I want us to pray together as we think of this thought. Our Father, we thank you for your word, and we pray that as we approach your word together, that the Lord Jesus would be our preacher this morning. We have been caused by him through his work on the cross to be raised together and seated together with him in heavenly places. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would speak to us. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would quicken our hearts and minds, help us to receive your truth. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We find a prophetic note in this passage. We find that David, the king, the rightful king, had come to a place of great loss and great distress and great personal sorrow. We find that all those who had been associated with him had also come to that same place of great loss and great distress. And here we find that as David pursued and conquered the enemy, we see that our Lord did not leave us here on this earth alone, but that he came 
as the Son of God and became a man without ceasing to be God and pursued our enemy and redeemed us from our sin, conquering sin and death and hell and the grave. And we, as the men of Judah, in this passage, share in the spoils of his victory. There's also a practical application and a practical tone to this passage as we think of the distresses that we suffer, the the losses that we incur in our lives, and the times of weariness that afflict us as we think of how the Lord answered us and encouraged us, and we think of the grace of God that we have experienced, and then we think of how that we having received that grace and strength from the Lord, are able to impart that grace to others. There's a section of Psalms, if you study the book of the Psalms, from Psalm 120 to Psalm 134, known as the Songs of Degrees. There are five sets of three Psalms that make up the 15. Five sets of three. And those Five sets of three psalms each have this theme, trouble, trust, and triumph. We see the psalmist in trouble. We see that in his trouble, he turns to the Lord in faith and learns to trust him. We see him as he moves forward in faith, experiencing the triumph that comes through the Lord. David encouraged himself in the Lord. Now, I want you to note a few things, and I hope you'll write them down. First of all, we see in this passage that David received strength in his weakness. David received strength in his weakness. David has returned to Ziklag, and I I can see him and his men as they're returning. They're anticipating the time that they are able to once again be with their family. They're, They're anticipating once again the joys of the home life and uh, maybe uh, being able to sleep in their own beds and uh, being able uh, to enjoy a nice meal and to enjoy the fellowship of their family. But as they approach the city of Ziklag, they notice the smoke billowing in the sky. Uh, Maybe they catch the scent of burning coals and begin to wonder what's happening. It doesn't look good. And perhaps the young men have gone on before David and have gone into the city and now they have discovered something's amiss. In fact, an enemy has come and he's burnt the city and there are no, uh, there are no people remaining there. In fact, not only the wives and children were gone, all the people that were left there were gone and all the livestock and all their livelihood, everything they'd worked for all their life completely gone. Those who were the dearest and nearest to them, completely gone. A great loss had occurred. Now, it, the Bible tells us that this was the Amalekites who had invaded. Uh, we don't know if David knew at this moment it was the Amalekites, but we do know that the Amalekites had invaded. We'll remember that Saul had been commanded to destroy the Amalekites, but had refused to be obedient to the Lord. You see, our disobedience today leads to our trouble tomorrow. Let me say that again. Our disobedience today leads to our trouble tomorrow. 
When we refuse to obey God, when we refuse to do what's right, we are going to reap the consequences. And here we find David and his men are reaping the consequences of Saul's disobedience. The Amalekites have come, and they have carried away uh, the wives and the children and the possessions of David's men. David has experienced a great loss. Uh, We note that this great loss causes not only grief for David, but also for his men. The Bible tells us in verse number 4, Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. Here we see David is filled with sorrow. Not only loss, but sorrow. Because all that was precious to him has been carried away by the enemy. It has been removed. It has been carried away, and it is no longer within his grasp. He has lost everything that was precious to him, and all he can do is weep, and he's come to the place where there's no more tears that remain. None whatsoever. Have you ever been to that place? where you have wept to the point that there's no more power to weep. David is weeping not only for the loss of his two wives, the Bible tells us of in verse number 5, but also for the losses of the wives and children of the men who were serving him, the men who had come and placed their trust in David. And the Bible tells us in verse number 6, And David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved. They're ready now to put David to death. They're in such grief. They've got to find somebody to blame. And so they point the finger at David. And in the midst of this difficulty, in the midst of his own weakness, what does David do? He gives an example that we must follow in the midst of our own personal weakness, in the midst of our own distress, in the midst of our own despair. Here's what we find David doing. We find him turning to the only source of strength that he could find, and that is the Lord. The Bible said that David encouraged himself in the Lord. That word encouraged means he strengthened himself. He turned to the Lord in the moment of weakness, and he found strength there. I know that no doubt he remembered the promises of God, and he rehearsed the past faithfulness of God. Have you come to a place where you're dealing with difficulty, and you have forgotten how good God has been to you? how faithful he's been to you in the past, how he's brought you through trial after trial, how though in spite of the fact that you sinned against him and you turned away from him, when you turned back to him, God was there and willing to forgive you. We have a wonderful Savior, don't we? And we can find strength in him. David encouraged himself. Secondly, we see that David inquired of the Lord here. He inquired of the Lord. He turned to the Lord, and he sought an answer from God. Notice again in our passage in verse 7, And David said to Abiathar the priest, to Himelech's son, I pray thee, bring me hither the ephod. And Abiathar brought thither the ephod to David, and David inquired at the Lord. Here was his question. Shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them, and without fail recover it all. 
You see, David turned to the Lord. He turned to his word. He, he remembered the faithfulness of God, and then he brought his request, his petition, his prayer to God. And he said, Lord, I'm in this situation. What can I do? What should I do? Shall I pursue after the enemy? He didn't just go in the power of his flesh. He didn't just respond with some emotional impulse. He sought the Lord, and God answered his prayer. The Bible said, Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things thou knowest not. You see, we don't have any revelation here or any insight here that David knew who it was that had taken his wives captive or where they had gone. He is totally dependent upon the Lord for direction, for wisdom uh, concerning his next move. And he inquired of the Lord, and the Lord answered. You see, this is how David received strength in his weakness. Then we notice the second thing. Not only that David received strength in his weakness, but number two, David refreshed those who were faint. David refreshed those who were faint. Notice, if you would, please, in verse number 9, the Bible said, So David went, he and the 600 men that were with him, and came to the brook Besor. Here we find that David, having embraced the promises of God, is now on the path of pursuit. He is pursuing the enemy, but most importantly, he's not pursuing the enemy. He's pursuing that which has been lost. You see, he cannot just rest content knowing that his wives are gone, that the wives of those 600 men are gone, that their children are gone, that their loved ones are gone. They are pursuing after them. Aren't you glad that the Lord Jesus Christ, after you and I fell into sin, did not rest content to see us carried away captive, but that he pursued after us. He came to us. As the song reminded us this morning, he looked down. Not only did he look down, but he came down and he died on the cross to redeem us from our sins. Here we see that David who had received strength from the Lord, is now ready to refresh those who were faint. Now we see that he's going to refresh two groups of people. Number one, he's going to, re he's going to refresh his friends who are weary. And number two, he's going to refresh a foe who is weary. Now let's look first of all at this friend who is weary. Notice it, if you would, please, or these friends, rather, friends, plural, who were weary. Notice in verse 9, So David went, he and the 600 men that were with him, and came to the brook Besor, where those that were left behind stayed. But David pursued he and the 400 men, for 200 abode behind, which were so faint that they could not go over the brook Besor. Here we find David's weary friends, there were 600 men, as we remember, who were now with David. But 200 of them, when they came to the brook, were not able to pass over. The Bible said that they were so faint, in verse number 10, that they could not go over the brook. Now, I don't know how difficult it must have been to get over that brook or if, it was a, uh, if, if the landscape was difficult for them to pass over. I'm not sure. But here's what I know. No matter what the situation was there, these men were exhausted. They were weary. They were weakened, and they could not continue another step forward. Have you ever been in that place? worn down, discouraged, weary, and weakened, and you have no idea 
that you can go one step further? Well, that's where these men were, 200 of them. And how did David respond to them? And by the way, how should we respond to them when in that situation? Well, David gives us an example here, does he not? The Bible says that David uh, encouraged them to stay behind and stay with the stuff. We learned that in a few verses as we continue to read this passage. But David had compassion on those weary men. David felt sorry for them and wanted to refresh them. And, and so David encouraged them to stay behind and stay with the stuff. Now imagine, here's 600 men. They've been marching off to war. No doubt they had uh, all the necessities and essentials that they would need in battle as, as they prepared perhaps for a long battle. And uh, so they had their 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 tents and they had no doubt provisions and food and other things that, that would be needed. But now they're on the pursuit. Now they're on the chase, and they're not concerned about those things, and they don't want to just leave them there unattended because certainly they'll be kept uh, carried away. But these 200 who are weary, they can at least stay with the stuff. There are times in our lives where we don't feel as if we're making progress, when we're weary and discouraged perhaps, and, and we don't feel as if we can pursue. But thanks be unto God, we can all stay with the stuff. There may be times in your life when you feel like all I can do is just be faithful in church. Hey, that's a great thing to do, be faithful in church. Stay with the stuff. David refreshed those who were weary. He didn't criticize them. He didn't question them. He encouraged them. And then we see a second group, and actually it's just a singular person that David encouraged who was weary, and that is this Egyptian in verse number 11. Here is a weakened foe. We saw the weary friends, but now we see the weakened foe. Look, if you would, again in verse 11. And they found an Egyptian in the field and brought him to David and gave him bread, and he did eat. And they made him drink water, and they gave him a piece of cake of figs and two clusters of raisins. And when he had eaten, his spirit came again to him. For he had not eaten, for he had eaten rather, no bread, nor drunk any water three days and three nights. And David said to him, Whom belongest thou, and whence art thou? And he said, I am a young man of Egypt, servant to an Amalekite, and my master left me, because three days agone I fell sick. Here was a young man who was a slave. He was the slave of an Amalekite soldier. And apparently he had gotten sick three days previous. And the Amalekite soldier and the Amalekite people had no use for a wounded, weary, sick slave. And so they cast him to the side, allowing him eventually in their mind to die. But he lived three days. And on the third day, David appeared. And what did David do? He had compassion. He, gave, he, he demonstrated concern for this weakened foe. An enemy. He had been with the enemy. And David, yet he feeds him and he, he nourishes him and, and he, he cares for him. And the Bible says that when this young man ate, that his spirit was revived in him. This young man who was possibly on the brink of death is now restored unto life. And David begins to ask him, tell me about yourself. Tell me where you've been. He said, I've been bound 
as a slave to an Amalekite. And he said, we made an invasion, verse 14, upon the south of the Cherethites and upon the coast which belongeth to Judah and upon the south of Caleb, and we burned Ziklag with fire. And David said to him, canst thou bring me down to this company? And he said, swear unto me by God that thou wilt neither kill me nor deliver me into the hands of my master, and I will bring thee down to this company. Imagine David, now they brought this boy, this this Egyptian slave, and he's weak and weary, and they're kind to him, and they begin to see him uh, rising up, arousing, if you would, and, and coming back from his weakened condition, and they begin to talk to him, and he says, I'm an Amalekite slave, slave of an Amalekite, and uh, we've been on an excursion, and we burnt Ziklag with fire. Can you imagine now David's antenna's really high? It's a good thing he was good to this guy, isn't it? It's a good thing that he demonstrated compassion on this Amalekite or this Egyptian slave because this Egyptian slave knows exactly where those Amalekites are, and more importantly, he knows where David's wives and where the wives of those soldiers are. And so he says, take me to their place. And he said, oh, I'll tell you where they are if you promise, if you swear to me by God that thou wilt neither kill me nor deliver me into the hands of my master. And so in verse 16, when he had brought him down, behold, they were spread abroad. This is the Amalekites. They were spread abroad upon all the earth, eating and drinking and dancing, because all of the great spoil that they had taken out of the land of the Philistines and out of the land of Judah. This weakened foe becomes an instrumental part of David's pursuit. You see, there's some lessons for us to learn here. First of all, weak foes can be won. Weak foes can be won. I want you to know that there are people out there who are bound. They are servants to their sin. They are servants and slaves of Satan. And when he has no longer any use for them, he will cast them to the side. And I want you to know that those casualties are all around us. And when we encounter them, how should we respond? We should respond with the bread of life. We should respond with an offer of God's amazing grace. And what we'll see is that weak foes can be won. Weak foes they, they need refreshment, and weak foes can become faithful friends. This man is going to become instrumental. And I want to tell you, and there's no doubt, his life was changed forever the day he met David and David's men. And so David, having received strength, having encouraged himself in the Lord, now, refreshes those who are faint. Has God strengthened you? Has he encouraged you in a moment of weakness? Then I want to encourage you to strengthen others who are stumbling along the way. We note a third thing here. Uh, we note that David recovered all that had been taken. 
We see that David received strength in his weakness, that David refreshed those who were faint, but then we see that David recovered all that had been taken. Notice in verse 17, and David smote them from the twilight even into the evening of the next day, and there escaped not a man of them save 400 young men which rode upon camels and fled. 400 Amalekites got on their camels and rode off. The rest of them fell. Verse 18, and David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away. And David rescued his two wives. And there was nothing lacking them, neither small nor great, neither sons nor daughters, neither spoil nor anything that they had taken to them. David recovered all, just as the Lord had said, pursue after them. And David pursued, and he discovered them. And then when he discovered them, how did he find them? They weren't in a position uh, of attentiveness, and they weren't ready to attack and defend themselves. No, they were out uh, living uh, the high life and revelry, enjoying all uh, the spoil. And when David and his men came upon them, he, he took them by surprise, and he defeated them. He, he cast them down. And he recovered all that he had lost. Nothing was lacking. He recovered all. I want you to know that in the Garden of Eden, Adam lost it all. What did he lose? Well, he lost his righteousness. He was a sinless being. God made him in a perfect state, sinless and righteous. But he lost his righteousness when he chose to sin against God. He lost his relationship. Adam walked with God in the cool of the day, but after he sinned, when God came to him, Adam fled and hid from the Lord. He lost his relationship. He lost his access to God. And ultimately, he lost his life. You see, when Adam sinned, he became a dead man, dead in his spirit, dying in his soul and dying in his body. He lost it all. But at Calvary and in the tomb, coming from the tomb, Jesus recovered it all. Everything that sin and Satan had robbed from humanity, the Lord Jesus recovered on the cross of Calvary and coming from that tomb. Our righteousness was restored. Our relationship to our Father restored. Our access into the presence of God restored. Our life eternal imparted to us once again by the power of the Holy Spirit. All that was lost has been recovered, and Jesus has come forth as our champion. Conquering death and hell, reclaiming from Satan this earth, and the souls of men. David recovered all that had been taken. Then we see a last thing. David remembered his friends. The Bible tells us that in verse 20, David took all the flocks and the herds which they drave before those other cattle and said, this is David's spoil. But I want you to note what he did with that spoil. First of all, we see in verse 21, David came to the 200 men which were so faint that they could not follow David, whom they had made also to abide at the brook Besor. And they went forth to meet David and to meet the people that were with him. 
And when David came near to the people, he saluted them. Then answered all the wicked men and men of Belial of those that went with David and said, Because they went not with us, we will not give them all of the spoil that we have recovered, save to every man his wife and his children, that they may lead them away and depart. Now here you have the first hint of pharisaical thinking, maybe. Probably not the first hint. That's probably been a long, a long, uh, around a long, long time. But here you have a manifestation of pharisaical thinking. Here are these men. The Bible calls them sons of Belial. That means worthless men. And there were those within the ranks, not all 400, but in the ranks of the 400 who were sons of Belial, and this was their attitude toward the 200 that stayed behind. We're not going to give them anything except for their wives and their children, but the spoil we're keeping for ourselves because those scoundrels, those rascals didn't go with us to the battle. Therefore, they don't deserve anything. These are guys who are lifted up in pride and self-sufficiency. They think, well, you know what? While those lazy bums stayed behind, we went to the battle. We earned this. This belongs to us. I want you to know that they didn't earn it, and it didn't belong to them. God gave it to them. And when we forget that we are where we are by the grace of God, if we ever forget that and begin to think that we are something of ourselves, then we're going to view people in the wrong lens. And we're going to look at them as less than deserving when the truth of the matter is we are all less than deserving. When you see people in the shops and, and in the restaurants and in the workplace and in the neighborhood, when you see those who, whose lives have definitely, definitely been marked by the sins of this age, how do you view them? I can tell you now, at the age of 53 nearly, that I view them differently than I did 20 years ago. Because 20 years ago, I was more full of myself and my self-righteousness than I am today. You see, I get up and look in the mirror of God's word every day. And do you know what it points out to me? It points out all the blemishes. It points out to me all the effects of sin upon my life. Those that maybe you can't see, but I know are there and God knows are there. That God has allowed me to live with these many, many years that helps me understand how depraved, sinful souls truly are. And the only difference between me and them at this point is that I have heard the message of Christ and responded. And what I have today, the spoil of his bountiful blessings those are mine, not because of who I am or because of what I've done or what I deserve. They are only mine because of who he is and what he has done and what his benevolent grace has bestowed upon me. And if we ever get to the point where we think like some of these sons of Belial, we're going to be of no use to God. David said, I'm not going to have it, boys. There's no room for greed here. This is all time for grace. 
and these 200 are part of our company, and they're going to share in the spoil. And in fact, David made it a precept. He made it a law. Notice Notice here in verse 23, Then said David, You shall not do so, my brethren, with that which the Lord hath given us. There's the difference. David recognized who had given it to him. Who hath preserved us and delivered the company that came against us into our hand. For who will hearken unto you in this matter? But as his part is that goeth down to the battle, so shall his part be that tarrieth by the stuff. They shall part alike. Listen, there are no second-class Christians. God doesn't play favorites. We all share in his bountiful blessings. Verse 25, and it was so from that day forward that he made it a statute and an ordinance for Israel unto this day. You see, David remembered his friends. We see his precept, but then we see, lastly, his present. And when David came to Ziklag, he sent of the spoil unto the elders of Judah, even to his friends, saying, Behold, the present for you are the spoil of the enemies of the Lord. To them which were in Bethel, and to them uh, which were in South Ramoth. Now, here we find a list of specific places specific people who David sent the spoil to. Now, remember the words of the Egyptian? He said, we were in the land of Judah, and we were spoiling the inhabitants of Judah. We were robbing them. We were attacking them. And now David has won the victory over the Amalekites, and he has brought not only that which he had lost, but far more he has recovered, and it has become his spoil. And he's sharing the spoil with the 600 men, but he's also sharing it with those who had suffered at the hands of the Amalekites. I want to tell you that the Lord Jesus won the battle over sin and death and hell. And he won the spoils of that victory. And I'm so glad that he remembers you and I. He remembers those of us whose lives have been impacted by the dread and the destruction of sin. And our good and gracious and loving God shares the bounty of those riches with us. We don't deserve it, but he gives it to us. Oh, you see, Paul said in Romans 5, verses 12 through 21, I encourage you to read it today. All that we lost in Adam, Jesus won again for us, and he imparts it freely to us. Paul said, in Romans 8, verse 31, what shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Is there anything that I need and that you need that God has not provided? The answer is no. He's provided all things for us. And in case you ever question that, he provided for your greatest need the need of your salvation. And the price he paid was the life of his son. You see, David remembered his friends. And I want to tell you, Jesus remembers us.
Praise be unto God. Thank you for listening to this message from Tabernacle Baptist Church. We pray that God has used His Word to speak to your heart today. If you'd like to learn more about the ministries of Tabernacle Baptist Church, you can go to our website, tabernaclehickory.org. That is tabernaclehickory.org. There you'll find additional resources that we pray God will use to be a help to you. If the Lord should lead you to partner with us or make a donation online, you'll find a link provided on the website at tabernaclehickory.org. May God bless you and thank you for listening.